The following audio is from Heritage Christian Fellowship. More information about Heritage Christian Fellowship is available at heritagefellowship.net. Hello, hello. Good morning, guys. How are you? Good to see you guys. All right. Hey, just a couple announcements uh, before we dig into the word. Lots of stuff going on, guys. Um, Heritage, uh, we have, we have a, a big season coming of good and really exciting things. Um, the first thing I just want to talk to you guys about, uh, we mentioned it last week, but we are going to two services uh, starting, let me make sure I get this right, I don't want to screw this up, starting on October 2nd. Okay, so that's about a month away. Um, there's, there's all kinds of reasons why we're doing that. You can talk to one of the leaders about that. We explained some of it last week. Mostly we're just trying to, to make our church feel a little smaller so we can all kind of get to know each other a little better. Um, we're running out of room next door and there's lots of different reasons, but we're going to two services. So with that, as you guys can imagine, we have a ton of needs uh, for people to serve. Um, so there, there is, we need, I think last week we had said, we need up to even a hundred different uh, positions to be filled in order for things to really, to really go smoothly. And I just wanted to say a quick word about that. Um, I don't know, a lot of you guys are already serving. Um, most of you guys, I think, are already serving. Um, for those of you that aren't serving yet, um, you are so welcome to be here. We love that you're here. But I just wanted to, to let you know that biblically in the Bible, um, Church isn't necessarily just something that you come and take from. It's actually meant to be something that you come and give to. Um, and that doesn't just mean financially. It means with your time. It means with your heart. Um, and Jesus said, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. That also applies for your time. And so I just want to tell you guys, if you're not serving yet at this church, that's totally okay. Um, we don't think any less of you, but I just want you to know that you're probably missing out big time because it's a lot of fun. Um, I've been serving Jesus um, in ministry for uh, 10 years, and for most of those years, I haven't got paid. It's just been something that I just always did, and I have some of the greatest memories and some of the greatest joyful times in my life were because I jumped in and gave a hand or jumped in and played with kids or jumped in and set up chairs or whatever it is, and we have tons of needs. So everything from, I mean, literally everything from something as simple as coming in and counting how many people are here uh, to, to, to greeting people to filling communion cups to all kinds of different things that you can do. So no matter who you are, we have a use for your hands and we'd love for you, that, for you to, to, to put them in and begin to serve with us. So if you're interested in that, go to the info desk out there. Uh, let them know. They'll get you signed up. Someone will contact you and we'll go from, from there. Another kind of exciting thing is that we're starting our Wednesday night services back up, which I'm stoked about. <laughs> I love the midweek service. And the exciting part about this too <coughs> is that, excuse me, we are meeting over at the hub next door. Raise your hand if you guys have even been to the hub yet. Is, okay, there's still a lot of people that haven't been over there. We remodeled that over there. That's our office area, but there's a big meeting space with a killer sound system and a stage and all kinds of really cool stuff over there that that's gonna be our permanent meeting place for Wednesday nights. It's comfortable. We can hang out afterwards. We don't have to set up the music suite every week to do it. So come on out, check that out. That starts this Wednesday, okay? For those of you that don't know, that's in three days. So mark your calendars. Come on out. We're going to be launching a new series that I'm really excited about. It's an Old Testament overview. So we're literally going to be tackling an entire book in one night. Sounds crazy, right? Um, we're going to tackle one book a night until we get to the Old Testament. The point of that is hopefully just to give people kind of a big zoomed out picture um, of what the Bible says in totality. Um, so, and then other than that, if you guys all got this little yellow sheet, 
please just take a, a minute or take that home and just take a look at all of the things on there. There's two things in specific in there I want you to, to, to kind of take a look at. One is uh, we need some, some volunteers, some servants for a special veterans meal, and there's some information on there, so if you'd like to help and get involved with that. Also, uh, women's fall retreat coming up, so for you women, take a look at that for sure. For you men, take a look at Sign Your Wives Up, okay? Um, so more information on there. Everybody got it? Set? Everybody happy? Everybody awake? Okay. All right. Praise the Lord. Hey, let's pray. Um, I'm going to ask you guys to uh, go a little Pentecostal with me for a minute. And would you just hold your hands out like this? You're like, why, why are we doing this, Sam? This is weird. Um, we're doing this because t- typically uh, our heart and our soul and our mind follow our body. And just simply by doing this, we're showing the Lord and we're reminding our hearts and our minds that we're here to receive from Jesus, to hear from the King of Kings. Amen. So before I pray, I'm going to give you guys 20 seconds on your own. Just invite the Lord into this place. Ask him to speak to you this morning. Say, Lord, I want to hear from you. I want to hear your voice with your hands out, and then I'll pray and we'll get into the word. God, we're here not because um, this is a social event or because we want to be entertained. We're here because we want to meet with you. We want to hear from you. God, you possess all wisdom and knowledge and truth in the universe. God, we want access to that. Lord, would you speak in that voice that only you can? Would you penetrate our hearts, God, that are distracted and hard? and so quick to wander from you. Lord, we have our hands out as a sign, God, that we are ready to receive from you, God. Lord, would you speak? In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Cool. Well, for for those of you that don't know me, by the way, uh, there's Bibles. Anyone need a Bible? Throw your hand up. We'll bring you uh, we'll bring you an ESV Bible, and that could be a gift if you want it. Uh, for those of you that don't know me, uh, my name's Sam. I'm one of the leaders um, here at the church, and uh, I'm typically here leading worship, and it just did my soul so well to hear you guys just singing so full. I don't often get to sit out and listen to you guys sing um, as much as I did this morning. It was just a, it was a blessing. Um, we are in a series right now. Is this slide up? It is. Okay, Hearing from God. We're in a four-week series called Hearing from God. And so that's kind of what we're going to be talking about this morning. If you have your Bibles, flip them open. John chapter 14. And go ahead and just leave that open. And we're going to do some work in that section of Scripture. Um, How do I hear from God? That is the ancient question of all times, is it not? Not just for Christians, really, but for any human being that's ever lived, I think, on the face of the earth. For any human being in history that's ever lived, I think they've probably asked that question or pursued that question. How do I hear from God? I think at our very core, at our very center, we have this longing to hear from a deity. Okay, we just do. All men know, anyone who's anyone knows, that to possess the voice of God, to have access to the voice of God is to have all wisdom and all power in the universe, right? So because of that, Lots and lots of men have pursued it. Lots and lots of women have pursued it. And lots and lots of people have pretended 
as well, because they knew, if I have access to the voice of God, I have power. Um, we have all kinds of examples of people trying to hear from God in history. Uh, the Greeks and the Egyptians, some of the more ancient cultures that we know of, uh, they would hear from God through what were called oracles, uh, people that were sort of supposed to be the mouthpiece of God. They would go to these temples like the Temple of Apollos, and they would pay a large sum for these oracles to tell them uh, who they should marry and, and what they should do for employment and, and what they should eat for breakfast or whatever it was. Um, We've seen in history different people observing uh, nature and creation to hear from God, right? Looking at the stars and charting them and looking for some kind of hidden language from, uh, from God in the stars. Or we, you see uh, maybe uh, tribal gurus throwing bones, right? And trying to read the bones to, to tell you, you know, what to do and, and what God might be telling you to do. And it, in Eastern religion, um, they primarily look within to hear from God, right? So you get your yoga mat and you, you go into uh, the Himalayas or wherever and you, you climb up the mountain, you sit and you look internal and you do it for, uh, you know, you gotta be reincarnated, I think, in true Hinduism, I think it's like 10,000 times you gotta be reincarnated. Um, and, and then you, you, you look within and then you, you find um, God's voice by looking within, that's their approach. Um, Mormons, they conveniently still have prophets, right? So God speaks and they can change their religion whenever they want, good for them. Um, even atheists, right? Even, which is convenient when you were a racist. Uh, yeah, anyway, I'll go there. And now you can be whatever you want to be. Uh, even atheists have uh, a way that they search for the voice of God. Well, they don't believe in God. Well, they say they don't believe in God, but they've simply replaced God with something called science and evolution. So they're searching creation itself. They're searching science, trying to find the voice of God and their purpose in life. Um, they just say they don't believe in God, but really they just, they've just replaced it. The reason for this is because God has stitched into our DNA, the very core of your being as a human. He stitched into that a longing to know where you came from and why you are here. So whether you're a Christian or a non-Christian, Jew or Gentile, you always know at the core of who you are that you need to know why you are here. And you need to know who put you here. Why are we here? That's the ultimate question that every human has asked. It's the ultimate story, isn't it? It's the born identity story, right? Wakes up, doesn't know who he is, doesn't know why he's good at everything and has a bunch of money uh, in every different country. Uh, I geek out on those movies, those are cool. And the whole movie is about him trying to figure out who he is. Who programmed me this way? Who designed me this way? Why am I the way that I am? And the reason we resonate with that movie and, and a million other movies just like it is because it connects and clicks with something at our core. We wanna know who we are. We wanna know why we're here. Who programmed us this way? Why do I feel what I feel? Why do I get sad? Why do I get depressed? Why do I get happy? Why do I love? Why do I long to be loved? Why is that there? And we search for the voice of the one who created us. All humans do, no matter what. Now, Christians, all of us Christians, I think we're intensely confused about the subject. I know that to be true because when I looked at the subject, I thought, wow, I'm really confused about this subject. And now I gotta get up and teach everybody about it. That's gonna be awesome. And I'll tell you, I wrestled with this subject this week, especially the, 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 the fact of, of the indwelling spirit. Woo, you know, I'm like, I'm like, what am I gonna say about that? Hearing from God, the indwelling spirit. Oh my goodness, there's some confusion about this topic. How does God speak? Now, primarily, it seems like Christianity is split into kind of two big groups, and there's probably people in this room that would, would fit anywhere along. 
But one extreme of the, the, the groups, if you will, of hearing from God are those that hear from God in everything. And through everything. I mean, you guys know some of these people. They're, they're famous for doing things like the flop and stop. Right? Thus is the word of God. Which is all great when you're in Song of Solomon uh, and you're married. Uh, but it's not so great. Um, it's not so great when you flip over to a verse that says, Thou shalt circumcise thyself immediately. Uh, there, that's, that's bad news, right? So that doesn't work out. So is that too far? I'm sorry. I, I thought that was a good one, but I should have filtered it first. Um, yeah, anyways, change the subject. I'm having a baby, by the way. That changes the subject. Hey, number three. Woo. Yeah, my wife and I, we've been studying Song of Solomon together, and now we have a third kid. I don't know what, what happened with that, um, but it's a good book to study. Okay. Back to where we were. Uh, these kinds of people, they hear from God through everything. I mean, they have out-of-body experiences. They're eating their Cheerios, and they see the face of Christ in their Cheerios. You know? You know those people? And they take a picture of it and post it on Instagram, and God spoke to me in my Cheerios this morning. Um, so there's those people. Less extreme examples, um, ones that I would say actually are real ways that God can speak, is audibly. Some people believe God speaks audibly to them. Um, that the voice of God can literally manifest itself. Some people believe that you can hear God's voice in dreams. And honestly, we see that all throughout Scripture, don't we? Even in the New Testament, God spoke through dreams and spoke audibly. Then there's the other camp, which is probably more of the camp I was raised in, um, which is why this, this presses on me a little bit sometimes in a good, healthy way. But the other camp is sort of this real conservative camp when it comes to hearing from God. Um, and that is that God only speaks through Scriptures. So if you're hearing voices in your head, go get your head checked out. If you're seeing Jesus in your Cheerios, you're just being ridiculous, okay? Uh, it's scriptures only, Father, Son, and Holy Bible, okay? That is the only way that you hear from God is through the scriptures. And you'd be surprised how many people think one or two of those things. And so where do we land on this? How do we truly hear from God? That's, that's kind of the question that we're gonna, they're going to tackle to, uh, this morning. Now, here's the real thing that, that concerns me is I don't think that most of us in here would probably fall into either of those camps. I, I purposely tried to have lots of conversations this week, like asking people while I was running with friends or asking people at coffee meetings, like, hey, what do you think? How does God speak to you? Do you hear from God? And the resounding message that I got from, from our, our congregation and Christians in general is that most people just don't feel like they hear from God. Most people just don't feel like God is speaking to them. And if he is speaking to them, they must just not have reached the spiritual point yet where they can hear from him, which is really sad. It's really sad. I, 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 I hope this morning is to, is to, to let you guys know that, that hearing from God is something you do whether, as long as you're a Christian. It's not some, some kind of spiritual level that you attain to, oh, now I can hear an audible voice or, or, or whatever it is. And so that was kind of overwhelmingly what I saw our church um, as, as thinking. So we're in this four-week series. Last week, Jeremy did a great job unpacking um, hearing from God through his word, uh, which is first and foremost the primary way that God speaks, I believe. Um, the, the primary way that God speaks to his people is through his word. And Jeremy did a great job through that. Um, now, we're going to just be looking for the next three weeks at some different ways that we believe God speaks. Um, today is the indwelling spirit. Okay, the Holy Spirit. Next week will be uh, God speaking through circumstances, and then finally God speaking through people. And he speaks through all those avenues. 
But for today, the indwelling spirit. Now, that probably sounds super creepy. If you're not churched, or if this is your first time and you're visiting, you're like, how can I sneak out the back? They're going to start talking about some spirit that's going to talk to me, and that's just weird, and I don't want to be here. Um, but just stick around, okay? Stick around, because it's not, probably not as weird as you think. So my hope for today, my, my, sort of my bullseye, if you will, of today, is simply that I want to draw you up, first of all, I want to draw you up to zoom out and to see the big purpose of God speaking, and then I want to draw you out, and that is I want to to call you to begin to listen for the voice of God. So I want to draw you up to see the big picture, and then I want to draw you out. So with that being said, John chapter 14, I'm just going to give you guys a little bit of of, of the backstory, a little bit of a teaser before we get into the text itself. Um, In John 14, Jesus is unpacking this kingdom reality. He's he's explaining something that is going to happen, something that God has purposed to happen to the disciples. He's basically telling them that he's out of here. He's saying, I'm gone, I'm going. I'm going to the Father, I'm going to heaven. I'm going to build houses on my Father's mansion. There's many rooms there, there's room for you guys. And he says, I'm out of here. And then he says this, he says, but don't worry, you're going to know how to get there, okay? Um, you guys might be familiar with this story. Thomas, and we'll look at it more closely, but Thomas pipes up and he says, Lord, how will we know how to get there? How can we possibly know how to get to this place that you're going? Now, to understand the tension of this moment, I just want to take you guys quickly into a little bit of the backstory of, of what had happened up to this point. Now, the disciples knew the history of Israel, They knew the history of Israel. And in the history of Israel, much of God's history was God speaking to his people. God spoke constantly to his people. He spoke through all kinds of things. He spoke through nature. Burning bushes and clouds by day and pillars by night and parting the sea and manna falling from heaven. He spoke through dreams to people like Joseph and Nebuchadnezzar and Jacob and Daniel He spoke through the law, right, that was written on the Ten Commandments up on Mount Sinai to Moses. He spoke audibly at oftentimes to Moses himself, right? He spoke the voice of God. But primarily in the Old Testament, God even spoke through the prophets. Continually, God spoke through the prophets. So God was always speaking to Israel. But the problem wasn't that he wasn't speaking. The problem was that Israel did not listen. In fact, it seemed as though they were incapable of listening, to God. When God wrote his law down in order to try to let them know who he was and what his purpose was, it almost seemed to harden the hearts of the people rather than infiltrate the hearts of the people. God would send prophet after prophet like Isaiah and Jeremiah to come and to try to warn God's people of the wrath to come, to to call them to repentance, but they would ignore him. Jesus tells a story about a vineyard owner who leases out his land to these, these men, and these men take advantage and they forget to send the, the, the earnings to the owner of the vineyard. So the vineyard sends a messenger and they kill the messenger. He sends another messenger and they kill the messenger. Another messenger and they kill the messenger. Finally, he sends his own son, and guess what? They kill his son. What's Jesus talking about there? He's talking about this. That God spoke continually, time and time again, through the prophets and through the law and through nature and through miracles and through all kinds of different means. God spoke to Israel, but yet they would not listen. They despised the prophets continually. 
In Jeremiah 5, verse 20, it says, Declare this, Jeremiah is speaking, Declare this in the house of Jacob, proclaim it in Judah. Hear this, O foolish and senseless people who have eyes, but see not, and have ears, but hear not. The children of Israel seemed to be deaf from the word of God. It could not penetrate their hearts. It didn't make, make changes in them. And for thousands of years, they lived in rebellion constantly with the prophets, begging and pleading, please, come back to the Lord. Follow the Lord. And they would ignore it. God knew something had to change because the way he was speaking was not being translated. The way that he was communicating to his people was not cutting through or passing the ears into the heart. So God said, I have to speak a different language. If I'm going to access the heart of my people, I can't simply write it on stone. I'm going to use a different means. I'm going to use a different language to speak to my people. And then I need to find a way to take that language and place it into the hearts of my people if they're ever going to truly be able to follow me and hear from me. Now, before our story in John, there's a little more backstory you gotta know. God hadn't spoke for 400 years before Christ stepped onto the scene. Can you get your head around that for a minute? Four, our country isn't even that old, right? 400 years God had not spoken. Prophets had been quiet. There had been no word from God for 400 years. So in the meantime, of course, the Pharisees and the scribes took what scriptures they did have and they twisted them and they added to them and the lines began to blur between what was commentary and what was actually scripture. So that by the time Christ actually stepped onto the scene, the true followers of God, the true people of God were desperate for God to speak 400 years without a word from the Lord. Then, Jesus emerges onto the scene. And he was not just a prophet. There was something about this Christ, this, this uh, carpenter from Nazareth. He spoke not just with, like other, uh, like other scribes and Pharisees would speak, where they would quote other people, you know, speaking under the authority of so-and-so. Jesus would get up and he would proclaim the word of God with authority. Not even like the prophets who were just speaking what was said to them, but he proclaimed it in a way that it, set, it seemed that it came from him. Almost as though he was God. Almost as though he was the inventor of truth. Almost as though he was the author of creation. He spoke with authority and power, and everywhere that he went, people listened to him. And finally, after 400 years of God not speaking, the silence was broken. It was broken. Now the disciples, the disciples knew that history. They knew that backstory. And here they are, every day, spending time with this man who seemed to have all of the answers concerning God. He seemed to be the voice of God, and they're with him, and he is how everything makes sense. And he is explaining kingdom theology to them. He is unpacking heaven truth. He's unpacking all of these huge things to them. He's the source of truth for them. We know that because when John writes his epistle, I'm sorry, when John writes his gospel, he opens it by saying that Jesus was the word, the logos. He was how they knew God's voice. Now having said all that, go back to the story here in John chapter 14. Look at verse three. 
Here Jesus is telling them, I'm out of here, guys. I'm leaving. I'm going. He says, I go and prepare a place for you. I will come again. I will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. And then Jesus drops this bomb. He says, you know the way to where I'm going. Now, uh, remember, okay, 400 years of silence. Now Jesus is here. He seems to be able to make things make sense for them. But then he says, I'm leaving. And he says, you're going to know how to get to where I'm going. And Thomas, probably shouting, says, Lord, how can we know where you're going? You're the way we know where we're going. We don't know anything. Without you, we can't even cast a demon out. We're helpless without you. You are the answers. And you're saying you're going somewhere else and we're supposed to know how to get there? How do we know? How can we know? And then Jesus ups the ante. Look at verse 12 of chapter 14. He says even more. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater things. Greater works than these will he do because I'm going to the Father. So not only does he say I'm leaving and and you're going to know how to get there, he says it's actually better that I go. Because once I go, you're going to do bigger things than you would do if I was here. Now imagine how the disciples would feel about that. I mean, we know how they felt about it because we caught them constantly rebuking Jesus when he would talk about going to the cross. Lord, Lord, what are you talking about? You're not going to die. You're not going to leave. You're not going to be crucified. You're here. We're going to hang out. You're the Messiah. Everything's good now. You're the way we hear from God. What is Jesus talking about? It did not compute to them that Jesus had something better in mind and bigger in mind than him simply living his life out on the earth. I believe that the feeling that the disciples felt in that moment is very similar to the feeling that most of us as Christians feel. We don't understand the Holy Spirit. It's confusing to us. We'd rather Jesus just kind of like come sit at our table. I know I would. Like, Jesus, why, why does it have to be confusing? What, what is the spirit? And why are you saying that it's so much greater than if you were actually to stay here? We're confused about it. We don't know what to do with the Holy Spirit. Where to file that in our heads. But here's Jesus' answer. Now follow me in this. Jesus answers to them very concisely and very clear. When Thomas asks, what do you mean? How are we going to know the way? How do we know the way, Lord? Jesus says this. You guys know the verse. I am, say it with me, I am the way and the truth and the life. And no man comes to the Father except by me. Jesus says, I'm the way. Jesus, listen to this, you might even write this down. Jesus is the language of God, the ultimate language of God. You see, God spoke and man couldn't hear. It's as though the language that God spoke to us in history was not able to be translated, but Jesus is the ultimate translation of God's word because Jesus is God's word in human flesh. Jesus is the language that is relatable. Jesus is God speaking in a way that we can say, hey, you're wearing flesh like me. And he spoke, and we have his words recorded. 
And we see his life and he suffered and, and he was betrayed and he had pain and he cried and he's the ultimate language of God because he's relatable. So we want to know what God thinks and what God feels and how, how God works. We look at Jesus because he is the language of God. Amen? So Jesus says, you want to know how to get there? I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. He says that. It says in Hebrews, I'll just read it. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. What Jesus is saying is that the wild goose chase to hear from God is over. Because I am it. I am how you will hear from God. I am how you will know God. I am the language of God. I am the purpose. Jesus says, I am the purpose of life. He says, I am the way to heaven. I am the truth of God. I am the glory of God. I am the image of God. I am the love of God. He says, I'm the purpose of God, the hope. I'm your peace. I'm your wisdom. I'm your mission. I'm your identity. Everything is Jesus. It's all in him. He's there. Okay, well, then why is he leaving? It doesn't make any sense. Jesus says, no, 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 don't worry. I'm the way. But you're going. If you're the way, why are you leaving? How do we know if you're going? Jeremiah 31, 31. I'm just going to read this to you guys, and I just want you to listen. Jeremiah was a prophet that spoke hundreds of years before Christ came. And by the Spirit, he prophesied this truth. You ready? He said, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Not like the covenant that I made with the fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. Not my covenant that they broke. Not the covenant that I spoke and you couldn't seem to believe and couldn't seem to listen and couldn't seem to penetrate your hard hearts. Even though I was their husband, he says, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days. I will put my law within them. I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each one teach his brother saying, Know the Lord, for they shall know me. What, what, is, what is he saying here? He's saying there's coming a day when no longer will the law be this thing that you just simply try to live by, but it doesn't have any effect on your heart because God will speak a new language. What language? Jesus. And that new language will not hit a hard heart. It'll hit a new heart and it'll penetrate that heart and it will live within that heart. When Jeremiah says that I will write the law on your heart, he's not talking about the law. He's talking about Jesus. I will write Jesus on your heart so that we as Christians no longer live having to look over our shoulder and say, well, what does this, this, this say and what does that say and what does he think? We as Christians can live out of the power of the Holy Spirit and conviction in the deepest parts of our soul that Jesus doesn't simply have to reveal himself tangibly every time we need to know what to do, that he lives in our hearts, our new hearts, 
And that he is pulling the strings of our hearts. That he is working in our hearts. That he lives in our hearts. Jesus is the language of God and the Holy Spirit is the means by which that that language lives in our heart. That is good news. That is good news. John 14, 15, look at the text again. If you love me, he says, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Notice it says forever. That's interesting. Not till I come, not till you go to heaven, not till the kingdom is fulfilled. Forever, the Spirit is gonna help you forever. Even the Spirit of truth. Who is the truth? Jesus. Whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you forever. Guys, listen to me. This is huge. You never grow out of this. The biggest mistake that I think Christians make with hearing from God is thinking that they need more than Jesus. I just want to hear more. There's more out there. I want to know what God, what do you, give me new revelation. Are you kidding me? We don't even get Jesus already and we want more? You never outgrow the simplicity of Jesus. The older I get as a Christian, the more years that I live, I find that wisdom only comes when I realize that it's all about Jesus. I don't need some new wisdom. I don't need some philosopher to come in and give me new thinking. I need Jesus. I need him. Don't ever outgrow that. It's not like, okay, yeah, I got Jesus, got the gospel, now I'm saved. Now it's time to move on to new revelation. No. That's why we're a gospel-centered church. Because we believe that the gospel is the front door and the middle door and the last door. That the gospel is what gets us through. That the gospel is what brings forth good works. That the gospel is what sanctifies us, what changes us, what grows us. That Jesus is the point of everything. It's not Jesus, okay, now what? Now I'm looking at my Cheerios. No. It's Jesus in everything. It's Jesus in everything. So what, Sam? So what does all that matter? (laughs) It matters because we live in an incredible time. Ever thought about that? We are blessed that we live in this new covenant where we do not have to go to the temple to sacrifice a lamb and hope that some sinful man will speak to God on our behalf and hear from God on our behalf if he's clean. That we don't have to wait for some scribe or Pharisee to explain to us a scripture because we can't understand it ourselves, but that we live in a time where God lives in our hearts and is speaking to our hearts. And we have relationship with him at the depths of who we are. That is good news. We are blessed. And as Joel said, the prophet, speaking of this time, and it shall come to pass that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions and no longer will God's voice be damned up at the law, not able to pass into the hearts of, 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 of God's people, but now it runs like rivers through our heart and his word is flowing and ready to be heard. That's good news. Our hearts are God-shaped containers. My youth pastor used to tell me that before I was even a Christian, and I didn't understand what he was talking about. 
Our hearts are God-shaped containers. God has given us these new hearts that were made to house God's presence. That's good news. This is why Paul says in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but what? Christ who lives in me. That's what it is to be a new covenant Christian. The Holy Spirit is the mechanism by which Christ now lives in and through you. When you do good works, it's because Christ did it through you. When you say the right thing, it's sure not because you're smart. It's because Christ did it through you. And he gets the glory. In Colossians, Paul says something similar. He says, to them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of his mystery, which is Christ in you the hope of glory. It's all Christ in you. So what does that have to do with hearing from God? Everything. It has everything to do with hearing from God. I want to get into some of the nuts and bolts, a little bit of practical here. So how do we hear from God? The reason I took you all the way through that sort of theological uh, breakdown of the Holy Spirit's ministry is because I think that the biggest issue when it comes to listening to God's voice is not that God's not speaking, for sure. It's not that we're not listening even, primarily. I think the biggest issue when it comes to hearing from God is that we don't know what we're listening for. We're listening for all the wrong things. If I put you in a room with 1,000 stereos, playing 1,000 songs, and I said, I want you to pick out the Lord's song. I mean, it it would just be mud in your ears. You wouldn't know which song to pick out. But if I put you in a room after, after telling you and letting, allowing you to listen to a specific song over and over and over again, and I put you in that room with those same stereos and I said, pick out that song that you know, you could probably pick it out because you know it, because you're familiar with it. I, don't think, I think we don't hear the voice of God because we don't know what God is saying. Not that he's not speaking, and not even that we're not listening, but we don't know what he's saying. Listen, uh, in John chapter 16, just flip a page over if you're still in John, listen to what Jesus says. He expounds a little bit more about the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit's work is going to be. He says this, 1613, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority. But whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. It's very emphatic in there. It's very, he's saying it over and over and over again because he doesn't want you to miss it. The Holy Spirit's work The Holy Spirit's voice is to declare me, Jesus says. Not to tell you whether to buy a blue car or a red car. The Holy Spirit's work is to manifest Christ in your life. To remind you of Jesus. That's the voice of the Holy Spirit. So if we're waiting for God to tell us something that that the Holy Spirit's like, that's not my job. Want a red car? Want a blue? Pick a blue car, pick a red car. I don't care. The Holy Spirit's like, my job is to manifest Christ to you. That is the voice. Ultimately, the primary thing that the Holy Spirit is trying to say to you is he's trying to explain Christ to you. 
Now, what happens if we get that wrong? What does it look like if we get this wrong? I'd like to, uh, to coin this, that it's the Jedi Knight Christianity. Okay, any Star Wars people in here? Man, Jedi Knights are rad, aren't they? I used to think of being sanctified Christian, I, th- I used to think of it like I would be like a Jedi. Like you got your Bibles, like your lightsaber, you know? And, and you're wearing your robe and you got your little ponytail thing, and, which now is a top knot for like hipsters, you know? And you got your coffee and like everywhere you go, like it's just spiritual conversations. You're like bumping into someone in the coffee shop and how are you? The Lord has a word for you, you know? And you pull out your lightsaber and you just blast them, you know? And like, and, and, you, and you can control minds. And everywhere you go, the spirit is just like hovering over you like a cloud. I, I'm, I'm making it sound silly, but I really used to think kind of like that. That if I was truly spirit-filled, that I would just be like the man. I would just know what to do in every situation. Everything I said would be wise and profound. And I sit at the table with people. I talk and everyone would listen because I have the spirit. And man, when I talk, it's just the spirit is there. That's what I used to think. Being spirit-filled, hearing the voice of God look like. And that's a result of a bad theology of what the Holy Spirit's actual ministry is. I did a Google search. I always do that. Google, we all do it. (laughs) Think we're going to learn things. Um, I did a Google search. First thing I did was like, how to hear from God. (laughs) Okay? Vague, right? And I clicked on like, oh, that, there's a little dove on that, like mainstream Christian website. Like, surely this must be decent. Click on it, pull it up. First thing I read is this. I'm not, I'm not kidding. This first thing I read, and this is a Christian website. Quote, the worst marital problem is one word from the Lord away from a total turnaround. If you have sickness or disease, one living word from the Lord will instantly heal you. If you are in financial crisis, the Lord knows exactly how to turn your situation around. It's just a matter of hearing his voice. Now that sounds pretty good, and there's some truth to that. God can heal anything, okay? God is the great physician. But what is systematically wrong with that sentence? That sentence is trying to tell you that God is up there just wanting to make everything easy for you. And if, you're, if it's not easy, it's because you're not hearing from him. So if you made a bad call and you got into a mortgage and then the housing bubble popped and now you're in trouble, oh, you didn't hear from the Lord. If you got into a marriage and it ended up being a really tough marriage and now you're going through problems and your wife might leave you and, oh man, I, must, I didn't hear from the Lord in that. And everything that you do that doesn't go right was because you didn't hear from God. And you know what that does? It makes you in the position of God. It's up to me to make my life good. And God's ultimate goal is just to make me happy. And God's ultimate goal is for me just to, everything to go right. And so I want to hear the voice of the Lord. You don't want to hear the voice of the Lord. You want a happy life. We all do. But is that God's purpose for you? Maybe. I hope so. I think the problem is often is that we're asking the wrong questions. God, tell me what's going to make me happier. God, make my life easy. I want to make the right choice. Make the wise choice. But God says, I'm actually a little more concerned about something bigger than that. I'm concerned about your heart. Paul says in Thessalonians 4.3, he says, For this is the will of God that you would get the right car. No, I'm serious. I, 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 I'm having a third kid. I gotta figure out how I'm gonna get a minivan. Anyone got a minivan they wanna get rid of? No, he says, for this is the will of God that you would never make a bad financial decision. For this is the will of God that you would be comfortable always. No, it doesn't say that. It says, for this is the will of God, your sanctification. 
Okay? This is the will of God. What is the will of God? <laughs> Your sanctification. He wants to make you look like Jesus. He wants to make much of Christ in your heart. He wants to humble you to a point where Jesus is enough for you. He wants to get you to a place where you have a soft and repentant and humble heart that says, it's all about God, it's not about me. So good decisions are bad decisions. God using all of it to work together for my good. Not my comfort, but my good. That's in a verse that everyone takes out of context. Working everything together for the good of those who love him. Does that mean he's working everything together for the comfort of those who love him? No. The good. We don't know what our good is. Our good is to look like Jesus. So that is what the Holy Spirit is primarily speaking into our lives. But that's not what we want to hear, is it? <laughs> I mean, I've heard a lot of people say, especially young Christians, I just want, to, I just want God's will in everything. I mean, yeah, I, I don't think you really mean that. I wish you did. But I don't know that you really mean that because that may mean you're going to go through some stuff. Man, it's a bummer. Every time I think about someone who's older than me that I really respect and want to be like, I'm like, oh, but can I do it without going through what they went through? Like, man, do I have to do that? God's will may not be what you think. Dallas Willard wrote a book about hearing from God. I just have a quote from it. He says, I fear that many people seek to hear God solely as a device for obtaining their own safety, comfort, and sense of being righteous. For those who busy themselves to know the will of God, however, it is still true that those who want to save their life will lose it. So I think we need to start by asking the right question. Lord, not red car or blue car, but Lord, how does this decision glorify you? Okay, you have, uh, and I'm, not, I'm not trying to belittle your decisions. Okay? I know that there's hard decisions, and we should always seek the Lord in all of these decisions. But I think that when we pray over those decisions, God, I, I can move, and I'd have a better job, and I'd have a little more finance, or I could stay here, and there's, there's possibility that I wouldn't have a good job, but I'd be here, and Lord, what do I do? Okay, maybe our prayer should be, instead of God, make it easy for me, uh, our prayer should be, God, what, show me what glorifies you most in this decision. Okay, prayers like, Lord, show me, uh, show me what will give me the greatest opportunity for holiness in this decision. Lord, show me what will give me the greatest witness in this decision. Show me what will bring humility and Christ's dependency in this decision. And God, more often than not, will speak more clearly when you actually tune your ear into what he wants to tell you. So, how does God speak through the Spirit? Let's zoom in, get into the practical a little bit here. Here's just three quick things, and this is not exhaustive, okay? The, the series will be more exhaustive for you. This is just a, three quick things that I've noticed that God primarily will speak through the Holy Spirit to me. All of these must be in check by the word, okay? All of these must be kept in check by the scriptures. But number one, and most importantly, is God's word, okay? God speaks primarily through manifesting his son in the word, okay? Number one, Romans 12, 10, 17, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Romans 12, 2, be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, okay? The scriptures, huge. But I also believe that we follow the Holy Spirit and that the Holy Spirit lives within us and that he accesses the depths of our heart. I believe that the Holy Spirit speaks through oftentimes our passions. Is that to say that all of our passions are right? No. But I believe that God plants like seeds 
seeds deep down in the deepest passions of our hearts, and they begin to grow. There's a difference between what my flesh wants and what God wants in my heart. And I think he's planted many passions in our heart, and we need to listen to those. Um, So, for instance, I've never heard an audible voice from heaven saying, Sam, you are called to be a pastor. Never heard that. However, I have a passion for Jesus, a passion for his people, and a passion to teach the word. Okay? Um, and no one's told me that I shouldn't yet. So, <laughs> well, maybe one or two people. But you, you got to weigh it out, you know? Um, so, so I follow that. I think God speaks through that, those passions. Um, thirdly, convictions. God speaks through convictions. You know, the Holy Spirit, one of the Holy Spirit's primary ministries is your holiness. Convicting of sin. Bringing to repentance. And not only just that, but even convictions should be largely why we do things. I'm going to do that because I feel a conviction in my heart to do that by the Lord. So here's an example of how all three of these met for me uh, a few months back. um, And really, I felt like God spoke to me. I swear I'm wrapping it up. Um, So I went down to a a worship conference with some of my guys. uh, And it was a great time. And it was totally a Pentecostal thing. Like way out of my comfort zone, you know. And so I'm like sitting there the whole time like, can't get me, like theology, you know? I got my theology glasses on, like you're not gonna get me with your voodoo, you know, stuff. And, uh, and as, the, as the thing went on, I just slowly was like, man, Jesus is awesome and these people love God and this is great and the gospel's here and it's good. But I heard God speak down there, not audibly, okay? If you hear God audibly speak, that's awesome. John Piper, I just listened, John Piper's heard God audibly speak. Lots of people have, that's cool. I haven't. Um, but I, I heard God speak to me, and he did it through three different things. The first thing was I had already been feeling conviction in my heart as I'd been studying and thinking about the Holy Spirit. Reading a book about the Holy Spirit, just like, man, I need to acknowledge the Holy Spirit more. And then I'm sitting there listening to a teaching, and, and, and this guy that I respect and looked up to, he's another worship leader, is talking about how most Christians treat the Holy Spirit like the socks that you didn't want to get under the Christmas tree. You know what I mean? Like, you come down from Christmas, you're like, oh, sweet Lord, what did you give me? Like, uh, tongues. Here. Susie can have those. She's weird, you know? Like, here, let's give those to our Pentecostal friends, because I don't know what to do with that. It doesn't match me. Um, prophecy, ah, kick that over to the Pentecostals. We're good. Um, you know, that, and, and he's talking about this, and, and, and I'm just like, oh, that's so convicting. I am so, I, I just, like, sometimes I'd rather it be Father, Son, and Holy Bible. I just, sometimes that would just be so much easier, you know? Because the Holy Spirit is so hard to figure out sometimes. And I just felt God speaking through that message, literally, not, not audibly, okay, but I felt it, and it was confirmed with Scripture, and it was confirmed by my conviction, and it was confirmed, confirmed by a passion that came afterwards. Sam, stop ignoring my Holy Spirit. Stop it. I don't care if you think it's weird. And can I be honest for a second? I felt that for this whole church. I felt a, a, a yearning as a leader, especially as your worship leader, to say, God, are we ignoring the Holy Spirit? I mean, we mention him in our prayers here and there. But do we really see what Jesus is saying as true? Hey, it's better that the Holy Spirit is here than if I'm here. Do we really believe that? I mean, do we really honestly believe that the fact that the Holy Spirit is here among us right now in real time, living within us, in, within our hearts, is actually better than if Jesus was up here preaching to you right now instead of me? Because that's what he said. Do we treat the Holy Spirit like that? That was my conviction. 
And I felt God speak that to me, and that has caused me to be in a season now where I'm just trying to pay more attention to God, the Holy Spirit. And he spoke that, and it wasn't audible, it wasn't in my Cheerios. I mean, it could have been. <laughs> I don't know what that would have looked like. Maybe Lucky Charms would have been better. The marshmallows could have connected. Uh, I don't know. One last thing, and then we're going to wrap it up. We live in one of the noisiest, I, I'm going to say this differently. We live in the noisiest generation in history. Amen? Good night. There is so much coming at us all the time. All the time. I looked up one study that said that literally 7.4 hours a day looking at a screen, that's average for an American. That's probably on the low side, especially if your job is on a computer. 7.4 hours a day we're looking at a screen, and every time we're looking at a screen, we're bombarded with messaging. And not just commercials, but messaging. Someone is trying to change our worldview. Someone is trying to convince us how to spend our money. Someone is trying to tell us who we should be, how we should act, what we should think, constantly bombarded. And that's just media. Then you've got your family, your friends, your coworkers trying to sell you essential oils or tell you you should breastfeed your kid till he's 10, you know, which is awkward and we all know it. Or, you know, your friend telling you they should only eat organics because if you eat GMOs, then, you know, you're, you're not even a Christian. Um, I mean, we're bombarded constantly, but then we got our bodies that are nagging at us. My stomach is like, hey, it's time to eat. You know, here's a message. I'm hungry, you know. Um, constantly we're bombarded with messaging. How in the world is God going to cut through that? And speak to us. Okay, just one practical thing. Turn it down. The one thing I never like hearing uh, as a worship pastor is turn it down. But, you know, different, different context. Turn it down. Turn down the distractions. Here's the beautiful thing. Richard knows this. He's our sound guy. He's amazing. He does a great job. Here's the truth about live sound. The things coming out of the speaker. In order to get what you want to come out, you have to turn down certain frequencies that muddy the mix. Okay, so if I have an acoustic guitar and a keyboard and a vocal, those all live in the same frequency range. They're all kind of a mid-range of frequencies. Now, if I want those to come out, I have to EQ them, cut frequencies, boost frequencies in order to get those to stick out in the mix. Praise God for our sound guys. They know how to do all that stuff, and it's hard, I'll tell you what. But in order to get what you want to clearly punch through the mix, you have to turn certain frequencies down so that other ones can come up. And I truly believe if we want to hear from God, we have got to turn some things down. Okay? I was convicted of this the other day. I just, out of more out of curiosity than anything else, I started listening to talk radio. <laughs> man, I had to turn that down real quick. I'm like, man, I'm an angry politician now. I'm just like yelling at my radio about, you know, Ob like Obama and, and Trump. And like, they're all idiots. And I'm like, okay, you got to turn that down. That is just changing my worldview. You guys all know because you've done it. Make space for God to speak. Uh, when I do sermon prep, the first hour of me sitting down is just worthless. I'm just like, focus, 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 focus. What am I trying to say? What am I trying to say? Get it in the notes. Blah, blah, blah. And then by the time I've sat there behind my Bible for an hour at least, then I start to feel clarity. Okay, God, I get where you're taking me now. Okay, I know what you're trying to say. I hear this. It makes sense. I get it together. I think if you give God five minutes, you're gonna get five minutes worth. You know what I mean? Create space for God to speak. What if you don't hear from God? What if you don't hear from God? What if God's not speaking? A lot of you are saying, yeah, I just don't hear it. Two things. One, God may be choosing to not speak clearly right now for his reasons and his purposes. But more than likely than that, 
God may be speaking quietly because he wants you to kind of lean in. Here's a, here's a beautiful truth about public speaking. I always used to think that you shout. I still do that. But shout to get people to listen. But I've, I've heard it before that actually if you, if you get really quiet, that people will actually lean in because they know what you're gonna say is important. And I think that's how God works. I think sometimes he's not shouting. He says, hey, I really want you to lean in and hear the still small voice that I'm trying to speak to you. And if you don't hear from God, remember that Christ lives in you and make the best decision that you can. Use the wisdom that God has given you. Consult friends and brothers. Look at the word and make a good decision. You're not going to mess up your whole life because you're, you're, it's not the yellow brick road, okay? I'm, not, like, I'm off the yellow brick road. I'm never going to get to the Emerald City. Like, no, it doesn't work like that. It's like a GPS. God will recorrect your path. And just lastly, how do I know if, if, how do I know if it's God speaking, right? How do I discern if it's God speaking? This is simple. Know God. You'll know it's him if you know him. He says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them. Okay. Can I tell a three-minute story? I know I'm over. It's, it's terrible. Um, when I got saved, when I was 17 years old, um, I heard God speak. It wasn't audibly. I was in a horrible, just horrible attitude. Typical teenager. Hated myself. Hated everyone else. Thought everything revolved around me. Sorry, if you're a teenager, that was rude. Um, but I, did, I was a terrible teenager, personally. Um, mopping floors at this camp. I got duped into this thing where I ended up being a servant, and I wasn't a servant, so it just didn't really go together. And... Um, and I wasn't saved yet, and I was running from God, and um, I felt like Christianity just was going to be this huge bummer, and I didn't want to get saved because I just thought my life would just be lame once I got saved, and God was kind of a mean dictator, and he just wanted to ruin all my fun, and uh, that was kind of my thought process, and, and um, my, my biggest thing that was keeping me from getting saved was that I literally didn't think I could clean up my act. I didn't think I had it in me to be what I knew God wanted me to be. And so I'm sitting here and I'm off on the floor and I'm listening to this song in my headphones and God spoke through this song. And the words were this, it was, it was a song that was from God, like God speaking in the song. And he says, hey, unfaithful. I'm like, oh, that's me. Hey, unloving. Me again. God's speaking here. Hey, ungraceful. And then the words say this, I will teach you to love one another. And I, God just opened the floodgates of my heart and his Holy Spirit rushed in and I burst into tears and I ran to the bathroom just to find a place that was quiet and alone and I poured out my heart to God and do you know what happened in that moment? I heard the voice of God, the true voice of God, not the voice that everyone had told me who God was, this angry dictator, this father that was displeased, but no, I heard the true voice of God, a kind kind God that designed me and knew me and knew my failures and wanted me to give them to him and give over my weakness so that he could transform me into who he wanted me to be. And in that moment of hearing from the Lord, the Lord, everything changed. If you want to know whether it's God or not, know God. When you know him, you'll know his voice. Amen? Let's all stand. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. Then 
sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. Holy Spirit, thank you that your ministry is to make much of Christ. I pray that you would be working in our hearts to remind us of Christ and that our lives would be for him and about him and to him. God, speak to us to make us a church that listens to our Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord, bless you guys. Enjoy your lunch. We'll see you on Wednesday night. Don't forget, 6.30.